Welcome, 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 everyone, to Adventures into Reality. I am Andrew Bartz, joined by my intrepid international co-host, Kathy Ma. It is great to be here yet again. I do love this show so much. I look forward to Mondays, <laughs> which these days, as you get older, usually you resent Mondays coming up. But, you know, I really, really, every Sunday night, thinking, oh, it's Monday tomorrow, showtime. That's right. <laughs> Showtime, showtime, showtime. And yesterday we had an incredible show on charting your course talking all about dreams. Yes, that was really, really amazing. And if you want to catch chart us on charting your course, it's on Studio B at 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We really had some very, very interesting things to discuss and talking about from childhood to adulthood, dreams, lucid dreams, Waking up, going right back into your dreams, out-of-body dreams, deja vu, global dream time. I mean, we talked about it all. <laughs> it was it was the dream show to encompass all dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but we had to think of something big there. Yeah, yeah. I like it, though. <laughs> well, I guess to find out that, you'd have to listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> which you can go to our YouTube channel, Galactic Historian, or you just type in my name, Andrew Bartzis, inside YouTube, and you will come to our channel where you'll have all the videos that are audios that are uploaded, and you can also see a lot of the other videos that we've got going up. Mm, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. Definitely go and check it out. So, Kathy, we are going to turn on the Wheel of Colors. <laughs> Wheel is going. Tick tock, so, tick tock. <laughs> let that wheel spin and see what comes to us today. Ooh. There we go. 305, your name and where you're calling from. Ooh, 305, unmute. Are you muted? Mm. 305, Wheel of Collar has drawn your number. <laughs> oh no, 305, it's not your day. Monday maybe isn't your day today. <laughs> 305, going once. <laughs> 305, going twice. Ah, 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 ah. All right, we have no, the next person is not there either. <laughs> well, in those case, for those of you who don't know, Andrew is offering a free video series called Living the Mystical Life Daily. He shows you some tools and gives you knowledge about how to have mystical experiences in your everyday life. So sign up for free at andrewbartsis.com. Just put your name and email when you get to the page and you'll receive the first video right away. Again, just get it at andrewbartsis.com and enter your name and email to receive the Living the Mystical Life daily series. I believe Ooh. we have our first Carly. Jody, are you there? <laughs> Jody, are you there? <gasps> Via Skype. Unmute. Yes, yes. Hello. Welcome to the show, Jody. How are you doing today? Oh, my goodness. Marvelous. Thank you. How did you find out about us? Um, my good friend told me about your galactic history videos, so I watched all of those this uh, past 
a couple months ago. I'm so nervous. I'm so excited to be on. Oh. Well, welcome to the show. What kind of Thank questions you. do you want to ask? Um, I would love to know my galactic history and I guess just some, I guess, life direction, advice, or anything okay. from you guys. So what, what was it about the material that's connected to you? Oh, everything. I just, this world is really crazy, and sometimes I feel so disconnected and cynical and frustrated with the, you know, the, the current political world and I guess the matrix that we live in is what I see. And I call that the global infrastructure of distraction. Yeah. It is yeah. just there to be an infrastructure to occupy our time, our place, our consciousness, so that we are lured away from seeing the bigger things that are going on within our own little bubble of reality. Yeah. So what year were you born? 1986. 1986. And let me tune in to you. All right. So your first lifetime before this frame of Jody, let's ski. 200 so you spent a long long ass time inside the astral world before you came back so huh. 1818 yeah. was the last time you were actually living in a body so that's 150 almost 140 years wow now, what you were doing there is is unusual you were setting something up some kind of big spiritual framework and you were acting as a guide and a guardian to other members in our lineage and this lineage came to an end in 1860 1861 everything in the lineage ceased to be everything collapsed with inside it and this caused a, a, a gigantic harm to you you were intending to incarnate and reincarnate with this soul family um, the entire lineage passed down their world was fell apart destroyed oh, and this is a uh, a bigger part of the story that is you. Um, when you first arrived at Earth, you were a refugee from another world that was going through its own forms of destruction by its own people, its own form of self-destruction. Similar to here in, 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 in our world, we are you know, slowly you know, destroying our world. Mm -hmm. In your expression, um, the world was brought to a rapid end and then you were brought here because you were still fifth density beings at that time. And it greatly harmed you until eventually you were adopted here at Earth. And the big part of your galactic history is going out to other worlds and discovering places that are in their final throes of destruction, rescuing the people that were there and bringing them back and seeding them on other worlds so that they had a place to live, that they, they too wouldn't be refugees like you were. Wow. So you're one of those people that, you know, rides the ambulances in the spiritual wow. format. You go out there, put the person in the ambulance, take them back to a hospital, get them triaged, find a house and say, here's some food. I'm going to go start rescuing more and more and more people. And this is very relevant all throughout your past life expressions. You're doing this, though you have a variety of other lives where you're entangled in politics, military, war science and all that stuff but those those lifetimes are really inconsequential to what you were doing at about 9000 BC this is the lifetime that defines why you are this lifetime Jody born doing what you're doing that is the lifetime where you gave up all of the technology that the Atlanteans were using and 
basically walked into the woods and gave up civilization and began unevolving your consciousness and reconnecting it into mm, the magic of this planet. And it was a recapitulation of your soul's purpose to make sure that the people on this world would be taken care of. Wow. Wow. That's you in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have any specific questions you want to ask about that? Um, I guess... I guess, it, I mean, I always want to help people in this lifetime and I always want to change the world. So that makes sense with my past. I guess questions, I need to let that sink in kind of. What Would would you have any advice for me for this lifetime based on my past? Mm -hmm. I want to bring Kathy in here real quick. So okay. I hear a little, little baby in the background too? Yes, a little Aurora, little my daughter. Aurora. How old is Beautiful she? Beautiful name. Uh, she is eight, a little over eight months now. Oh, she's still fresh. Yeah. <laughs> she's still half in the dream world. Yeah, she's wonderful. She's a wonderful so, baby. Kathy's going to come in here and give you give you her perspective, and then I'm going to add something to that so that you can have an understanding of what's really going on in the motivational field that's around you, more than just the child and being the mother. Okay. Thank you so much. Hi, Jody. Hi, Kathy. Where are you located at the moment? Uh, Boulder, Colorado. Colorado. Hmm. Have you been there a long time? Um, it, like seven, seven years, I think now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm from Massachusetts. Ah, uh, okay, okay. You know, when I look at your energy and what's going on for you, I'd say that you know things are have been a bit hectic for you. But I suppose yeah. if you have yeah. a <laughs> eight month old baby. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess it's a no-brainer that would be the case. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing I'd like to talk about is Aurora. Uh, I look at her energy and she's just such a wonderful little being. Yeah. Um, you, you will find that she is a bit rambunctious at the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, a bit boisterous, okay. more than normal. Um, and, you know, everyone's going to say, oh, which side of the family did that come from, blah, blah, blah. But uh, what I'd say is, you know, she's just got so much to say. So much to say, and she's she's also a little cheeky. You know, she, she's going to have an incredible personality, um, very funny, cheeky. Um, so that all goes hand in hand with rambunctious, boisterous. <laughs> yeah, she agrees. Yeah, yeah right. I, there's she's very talkative already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised because she's got a lot to say. Um, one of the things I I would like to highlight for her is that you're going to find that she is super smart, really, really smart. Early on, you're going to realize that her intelligence is way beyond her years. So you may have to consider what you want to do with that. Um, she probably wouldn't suit going, you know, jumping a class because okay. on the social side, it would probably be more beneficial for her in her own age group. But if you want to um, do extra study or extracurricular later, I would totally uh, support that because her brain is just so inquisitive that you couldn't possibly maintain her interest all the time. And if you don't give her more stuff that is more difficult for her to look at and to understand, you might find that she gets too bored in class um, with work and therefore doesn't appear to be concentrating and might be a little bit a, a handful in class okay. time. Um, but 
just trust in that it's not a behavioral problem. It's yes. just intelligence. She, she would look at this class and think, huh, writing? Are you kidding me? I read the book. <laughs> in fact, there's oh, a typo there. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's, uh, it's going to be a challenge because whenever you have a child like this, a lot of people make you question yourself and make you question what you're doing and the way you're uh, bringing up the child and your oh, own goodness. ideology. So okay. you need to be more immune to what they say. I okay. would master the nodding with the smile. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will think about how to do that and incorporate it one day. <laughs> Thank you, because I can be very... Uh, sensitive yeah like what are you yeah. saying yeah <laughs> I'll through the nose yeah <laughs> <You> understand <laughs> so, so stupid <laughs> it, it, it is going to be a challenge for you with other people's opinion so as long as you, you're very clear in your, in your mind where how this is going to develop and you can expect people to give you all these opinions that you have absolutely no interest in you can master the way to deal with them and then your life will be much easier in her formative years okay and this goes for teachers too. If they tell you that she's not concentrating, not focusing, same thing. They don't understand that they're boring and okay. the stuff is too basic. Okay. So again, nod, nod, uh-huh. And then look for some smarty classes outside of the school. Okay. I was leaning more towards homeschooling anyways or like a different type of curriculum. Um, I think homeschooling would be more difficult for her at the beginning yeah. because she's so chatty. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. even if it, if you're considering homeschooling as a necessity, maybe do the first few years in a mainstream, just so that she can get that energy out, make some friends. Okay. You know, throughout her life, she's always going to have tons of friends. So learning those skills on how to make friends um, and those, you know, nuances that you get from mixing with people would be very helpful to her later in her life. Okay. Um, and you also find that she is good at sports, but she's not into them. Oh, okay. Thank okay. you. So at the same cool. time, I'd say, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a challenge when you're trying to get them outside. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but if you do classes outside of school, perhaps like free movement, not necessarily okay. so regimented as ballet, but that, that there's dancing, um, movement, um, Things that might involve gymnastic type movement, but not gymnastics. Um, you will find you have more um, luck with her enjoying those kind of activities or sports. Okay. Um, but it's going to be a shame in that you can see she's very good at it, but she just is, it's boring, you know. She, okay. She's, she's smart enough to know, you know what, if I keep doing this, I'm going to get injured. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and so let's go back to you. When okay. I look at what's going on for you, apart from the chaos of a new baby, I think that you really need to start thinking about what it is you would like to do with yourself. Mm, um, of course, yeah. you're very busy with the baby and everything. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like before this, you, you sort of a little bit lack direction. And yeah. not because you weren't trying, but it's mm -hmm. more that you know, nothing's really grabbed you, nothing's really interested you. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're on that eternal search for things like this. Um, what I can say for you is that at the moment you will find that there's not a lot that's going to interest you so much. Um, 
how can I put this? You should focus more on what is pleasurable for you as opposed to what you can do with something later on in life. Let's okay. say for the next 12 months, think about more that it's like an evolving you in your own creative side, your own relaxing side, your own fun side. And then later on, we can look more at the career and development because at this stage in your life and looking at your energy, this is what you need for you to be more complete. Hmm. Okay. Um, was the birth a difficult birth? Yes. Um, uh, sorry, go on. It, it was just, I was in labor for like three days. And three days? Ugh. Yeah, this, it was like early labor, but it was still really intense. And we were going to do a home birth and my cervix was caught on one side of her head. And um, we eventually went into the hospital and I got an epidural and I was able to push her out naturally still, but it was, yeah, I was yeah, exhausted. Yeah, very traumatic. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm already sweating thinking about it. The minute you said three days, I broke out in sweat. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one thing you need to consider is that you probably have a mild, subtle form of um, postpartum sort of thing going on. Did you find that you are a little bit um, erratic in the way you're thinking or emotions? since the birth? I guess, yeah. Um, More, well, not yeah, I'm, terribly, but a little bit. Mm, like, it, it's one of those things that sometimes you just need to recognize it. Okay. Give yourself a break. Okay. You know? Um, I don't think it's a, a severe case that you need to really worry about it or, you know, seek, seek help about it. But just know that sometimes you're just not let's say, tip-top form when it comes to those parts of you. Okay. So if you do fly off the handle bit or suddenly get all cheery over nothing, uh -huh. you know, just like, okay, you know what, this is just post-baby stuff. Okay. And say to people, you know, this is post-baby stuff, I don't mean to do this, you know, maybe you can walk away or, you know, just give me that space. Okay. <laughs> um, because people are much more understanding. If you just say it, they're like, oh, okay, you know, because they, okay. they just don't, they won't notice you have anything like that because you're very good at covering, yeah, you know, masking. Uh -huh. um, uh, you also probably need to think about, you may have some torn muscles in your body from all those contractions. Okay. Um, did they ever mention anything like that to you? That's a possibility? No. Okay. Well, you know, you, you had a lot of trauma um, that's going on in there. And so, again, think about what your body's been through in a more friendly, pro-you way. Again, okay. give yourself a break. Don't expect your healing recovery to be as quick as most people. It's going to take a bit longer. And okay. when you think about, you know, doing exercises, do things that are gentle because remember, your body needs to heal. If you can compare yourself to other women, you need like, let's say, three times as long to heal everything inside than the average woman. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But that's okay. okay. It's just let yourself have that space. Let yourself have that freedom. You okay. Know, pamper yourself a little bit. You know, if you're feeling a bit, mm, then go and have the luxury bath. You know, go and have the pedicure with the leg massage. You know, things like this. Because the more your body can relax, the more it will heal itself in a okay. slightly faster pace. I, I've been going to yoga like once or twice a week. Um, good. good. That's good. Okay. 
Yeah, and I would even go up to the instructor and just say, you know what, I, I think I might have torn a few things inside, you know. Um, so can you just keep that in mind when you strike the poses? If there's a pose that you think might be too intense for me, I could do a different pose. Okay. Or do you have any poses that you could teach me just to do on my own at home that would be helpful? Okay. Because yoga teachers are fabulous like this. They love, you know, special cases. They love doing things for special cases and they like seeing your um, progress and they like checking in. So this is a, a very good way to get some extra help while you're still getting fit. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to me... So you had a three-day labor? It It is such a weird story. Like my my husband had an emergency dental surgery he had to go to and my my contractions began that day and of course he he was like anesthesia and and i think because of that my body i was just like wait he needs to be here so i froze up and then when he got out he needed to rest and then labor was pretty much starting so it was i didn't sleep for three days and active labor started Saturday and she was born Sunday at 5 p.m. and it started Thursday night. See, I, I, I've been looking at this and it, it, it has created a variety of birth traumas within you and the child itself. And now oh, these wow. are common. So don't, uh-huh. don't, you know, you, when you run, run, run on a pothole road, inevitably you're going to, you know, bust a tire here or there. And that's the, the nature of childbirth. Uh-huh. I think it's just really important that during this healing and nurturing time with the child that you too take time aside. The fact that the, the husband had a tooth coming out just before that, 99% of all teeth scenarios before a child coming out is literally the expungement of a negative energy. Oh, wow. So there okay. was something that would have made, made the father very a difficult early father. But the significance of the tooth coming out is he's going to be a great father because the tooth came out. Wow. Quite literally. And I've seen this through dozens and dozens and dozens of my private sessions where people have extremely difficult births and like one parent can't be there for whatever reason it is. There's a variety of things that, that make up a set of spiritual contracts. And the set of spiritual contracts for you is if you're going to have this child, you, that tooth's got to come out. Wow. And what does that tooth represent? his old frequency of past lives that he was allowing to be his teachers. And now the child means he has a new set of spiritual teachers that are there. This Uh, also means you too have new spiritual teachers that are there. Wow. It's the one the child, the child brought in, you know, Aurora is one of those special little bright lights out there as are many, many, many of the children out there. Uh And they're going to need guidance. They're going to need love. They're going to need all those other things that the children that children want. I agree with what Kathy said that in the beginning, don't worry about homeschooling. She absolutely needs to be around other children. Okay. Um, spatial recognition, artwork, music. Those are the things you can see yourself doing whenever she's around. You point, you talk, you describe. It's not about learning and memorizing. It's not about the mechanical aptitudes that adults have. It's about the joy behind recognizing a flaw, a flower, a dog, or a cat. Okay. I do that with her now, and she's already 
amazing. She's right. gentle with her cat. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's really important that you, because of the way the labor, the way the labor was, that you see cranial sacral therapy. All right, hold on. When we'll come back okay. after the break, I'll finish talking about this. Okay. And welcome back, everyone. Jody, are you there? Yes. Hi. So I was talking to you before uh, uh, about what's going on with the child. So I'm sorry, I lost my lost my place there. That's so okay. she is being super, super talkative right now. And during during the break, I was communicating with the the higher spirit of this child. Oh. And some of the things that are going on with this individual child is. Um, she's going to have a series of issues with, hmm, I want to give this the right English, certain types of people. Okay. There are past lives that are going to come through immediately where she's going to be um, very standoffish <laughs> against, uh, against men that have mustaches. Oh, my so, God. Okay. If you notice that just a mustache, not yes. a goatee, just a mustache, she will not like them. Yeah. Um, not like the people that are behind them. Um, and this is kind of unusual for me to see a child that's this young and all of this stuff coming out. And it's wow. because of her individuated purpose, which is to be a highly evolved being, whether it's through science or spirituality. That is yet determined yet because the spiritual contracts that she's got are vast gigantic and to begin to describe them on just what one show would be wouldn't even begin to describe her individuated purpose you know you gave birth to this being who is going to make a difference for many other beings in the world okay she is going to really 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 need to know languages do you speak a second language or do your I... husband no, neither of us do. We know I know a little bit of Spanish, but it's really not. I would I'm not not fluent at all. I would go in to like a bookstore or one of those places that sells you know a language course and start practicing it with her. Okay. German would be a a, a highly beneficial trigger language for her that will pull out a lot of very positive energies to her. Okay. Alternatively. Um, Believe it or not, a British accent. There's something. She's even <laughs> commenting on the British accent. There's something about the British accent to her that is comforting. Okay. So maybe TV shows that have the British accent people, or you know, maybe British kids television shows. You can even find them on Sky Sky TV or whatever. Okay. Kathy, is there anything you wanted to add about Aurora? Oh, she's just such a wonderful energy. She really is. I, mean, I agree with what you're saying. I think language is a great idea um, because it will stimulate her mind. Uh, this is going to be the, the, the biggest challenge for you two as parents to challenge her enough to stimulate her so that she isn't bored. Okay. Um, I think one of the things that you also uh, will find with her is that she loves colors. Um, and I know most kids do love colors, but for her, it's almost like they're game changers. She has an incredible understanding of colors and the, um, the changes in moods it provides with people. 
she will have a great affinity with all colors that are um, blue, turquoise, that uh, really wonderful green as well from the turquoise. Those and are those my will, favorite. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she will love them. Um, for her, that they're, they're full of security, comfort, uh, creativity. So any of those colors, you'll find that she's always more at home or settled down. Okay. Um, you will also find that throughout her life, she will have at least probably three good friends that she keeps forever. Um, oh. One of them you might not really think is a good influence. Okay. But it'll be a boy. Uh, but, you know, because he's a bit naughty. I should okay. Say. <laughs> but, but she needs that outlet for, to show her mis mischievous side. Okay. I mean, she won't be led down the garden path, don't worry. But okay. sometimes it's good for s certain types of kids to do a few naughty things just to know what it's like, you know, and then think, oh, well, no, you know, that's way over my boundaries. <laughs> okay. um, but it's great for her because she will rely upon them throughout her life, as they will her. Um, I mean, these days it's very difficult to even keep one friend forever. Um, yeah. So having three would be a, a, a really great balance for her oh, wonderful um, and one of the things also highlighted for me is about uh, finances yes absolutely um, I think you'll find that he actually has a bettering of circumstances later in this year so that okay. always means it's a promotion uh, a job shift a job change but it represents more power and money okay um, he might not be so excited about it because of the responsibility, but the truth is he d wouldn't have as much responsibility as he thinks because oh. whoever's above him likes to hoard all that power. So in a way, it, he's not going to be as busy with it as he thinks he might. Um, so okay. a positive thing. I think she agrees with you, Kathy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go for the money. Go for the money, Dad. Exactly. Go for the money, Dad. I'll be needing stuff. <laughs> I grow fast. He's in school for computer programming, but he's a manager at a natural food store in town. Hmm. Well, something is coming up for him that okay. is we definitely is positive, definitely a bettering of circumstance. So it's good. Okay. Okay. And it will come quite easily. You okay. know, it won't be, he has to now scour the papers for it. Whatever he, his natural way to operate daily, that's all he needs to do. If, okay. If the, you don't Wonderful. even tell him, it would come up. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Don't panic that he might miss it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. All right, Jody, we got to move on to the next caller, and I want to reiterate languages, languages, languages. She is going to be a master communicator and really needs to think in a multilinguistical format. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Even if you just get her a friend that knows another language or you learn it yourself or early on you get her into multiple language classes, vitally, vitally important that her brain can think in two languages. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you both so very much. You're welcome, and you have a really, really good day. Thank you. You too. Kathy, Hi. we have some special callers with their children that are coming in, and, you know, we get a unique opportunity to, to be a part of those lives. I know. I know. And, and, you know, Aurora, I mean, her energy is just like, wow, knocks me over. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to move on to the next caller. 262, are you there?
Oh, uh, yeah, I'm here. Hey, your name and where you're calling from? Um, I'm Danny Sosa. I'm from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Danny from Kenosha, Wisconsin. How did you find out about the show? Um, well, uh, when I started researching uh, a few years ago now, um, I started looking into like the origins of, of, of human history and past civilizations. And, uh, I found your galactic history interviews with Lance White and, uh, that just blew my mind. <laughs> so what about the material connected to you? What, what prompted you to want to call in today? Um, well, I've been following you for, for quite a while and, um, and I'm, uh, uh, <clears throat> member on your on your website and everything and uh i've been following your teachings and trying to put them into practice in my day-to-day um and um i got a lot of questions you know uh, just being like a, a researcher and uh and trying to find my spiritual path um like about my well if i have any connections to any kind of star system um and then some of my history on the earth Okay. So let me just tune in. What year were you born? 1983. All right. So you are Pleiadian, Octarian, and Ovoran. Ovoran is a smoke-type species. We had one on... No. All right. Let me, let me reiterate this. You are a being who doesn't identify with a single world as your origin. There are parts of you still spread throughout the multiverse who have been living on a single world for some time in unawareness of other soul shards and believe it is a Pleiadian, Arcturian, or Avorian. That is not actually to the effect. 31 million years ago, while you separate of everything that I've described before, were an individuated beam of light going through one solar system to another solar system. And during the journey, your beam of light was refracted um, by a quasar. And when it became refracted, it split you up into thousands of different versions of yourself, past, present, and future. It turns out that this quasar was the center of timeline genocides between all 66 planets in the Galactic Ascension Machine. And you happened to just literally synchronistically cross the path of this quasar while it was being abused in time. And this quasar became essentially a time-traveling black hole. It began sucking in time-travelers. And when a physical being of light transfers from one solar system to another solar system, they are traveling from one frequency of time to another. And this is where so many of the spiritual rules of me- and spiritual mechanics of our universe became crumbling down. Um, you got pulled right into a rift and found yourself living on Earth, not as one, but 200 separate beings in awareness and unawareness that you had pieces and parts outside of this world. And you began the great struggle to try to reconnect yourself to all the different versions of yourself. And from about 31 million years to around that 13 million year process, 
was your divinity path where you began the long-term recapitulation of all experiences of your soul and got yourself like 70% complete. But the nature of the divinity path is to experience extinction. So you understand what it is to live a full expression and then end to go into the hollow earth. When you finish your divinity path 13 million years ago, at 13 million years ago, you decided that you couldn't shapeshift, you couldn't do any of the things that, that, that they were going to change on the world, so you went into extinction. You extricated your frequency of light. And when you did that, that same quasar that was separating your light into like a prismatic frequency basically put you back into a scenario where you were back in your original frequency of time, one version of yourself. Okay? So you're spread okay. throughout the timeline. And when I see this and I, and I see someone calling, you're one of those what I call fanatic searchers. Not in a bad way. Yeah. Some people can see the word fanatic and can immediately put negativity to it. I don't see that. The fanaticism of it is to reconnect to your soul parts, to learn what spiritual journeying is, to ultimately discover where this quasar is with your own psychic heart, and then using it as a beacon to reassemble all of your versions that were torn apart during a timeline genocide. And this has been your overarching purpose since the moment you arrived here on Earth. And as you began to understand on a bigger scale of what humanity was doing, you forgave the timeline genocide personalities that created it and began to understand on a bigger scale, this is what the universal and galactic celestial minds wanted to have occur because there were micro-beings and macro-beings abusing the spiritual laws of our universe, creating paradoxes without the responsibility of cleaning up their own messes. So from 13 million years ago all the way up until right around 1,200,000 years ago, you stayed in, you stayed, completely stayed in your, in your hollow earth extinction level, but capitulated parts of yourself to go and start cleaning up pollution, specifically timeline pollution from time travelers. Thus, by this lifetime, you are so intimately introduced to the conspiracy world, the esoteric world, the secret world of the government. You want to reveal it for everyone because you know that the power is in holding the secret. And a second, the secret is no longer held. There's no more power to be hold, held over anyone else. Wow. I will even use a metaphor. At one time, you were like a spiritual WikiLeaks personality. The being that was you in, ex in extinction was clearly violating the spiritual rules and directly providing information to resistance-free Earth people inside Hollow Earth and on the surface world and off-world. This caused a great deal of tension between you and many of the Agarthan underworld, underworld beings in Hollow Earth until ultimately they said, you can no longer be in Hollow Earth. You need to go back to the astral world and live in bodies. You cannot violate the extinction rules anymore. This is what you did. Right around 1,100,000 years ago, you made the immigration from hollow earth to the astral world and began planning lives, thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. And because you had gone into extinction with about 70% of yourself, 
already collected, you made thousands of individuated lifetimes that spread from one about one million one hundred thousand years all the way to about two thousand two hundred BC. Does this make sense to you? Um, yeah, it, things are really coming together. <clears throat> right. Um, those individuated parts, those thousands of parts, were witnesses to what the Anunnaki did, the Sumerians did, what Nibiru was, what all of the modern conspiracy tells us. You were actually there and know the difference between what is our fake truth in this world and what was the real truth of what eyes on the ground saw then. So you have this ability to have a bullshit meter when it comes yeah. to some of these <laughs> expressions. I will even venture to say that when you decide to change your frequency to, to include concepts such as direct channeling of your other versions of yourself, specifically your higher self that went from extinction level to astral world that's still there waiting for you, you will begin to discover that inside you is a vast library of facts that you'll be able to use to create a document, write a book, create a speech, or do something that has an impact into this world you are researching right now. That's what I'm looking for right now, is a way to, way to help. <clears throat> um, I, I want to bring Kathy yeah. in here, and I, and I want her to, to right away talk about motivation, because I know you're motivated to research, but you're not really motivated yeah. to do the work that actually pays dollars in the end. Yeah. Hi, Danny. And that's your evolution right now. You conquer that, you have a golden brick, pa golden road paved ahead of you. Thank you. Hi, Danny. Hi. Can I ask you what you've Hello. been doing recently in terms of work? Well, uh, I've been in kind of like a... Well, I've, uh, my family's starting a farm, and I've been, um, I've been out there helping them. That's basically what... I've been doing for the last couple of years now is helping them get the land prepared and, and uh, all the different things up and running. Mm -hmm. All right. What did you do before that? Um, before that, um, I did a lot of like jobs here and there, but I was a therapist for autistic kids for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. I'm asking these questions because to me it looks like, you know, whatever you're doing at the moment seems, you know, in one way it's a little bit rewarding, but it seems a bit mundane um, for your spirit and your soul. So I guess uh, if you are involved with something that's helping your family get something going, that, uh, you mean, your motivation for doing that is completely different to what you might do for yourself. Um, so I, get, I do understand a bit more about where that energy is at the moment. Yeah. When I when I look yeah. at what's going on for you, you know, I, I think there are certain things you need to ask yourself. What is it that you're after? Okay, like I understand what you're doing now, and you're helping family, etc. But at what point do you think that's going to be enough? What point is it for you that you can say? 
I know I could do more for you, but I need to live my own life. I need to start going back into the world as myself and do something else. Um, is this something that you have considered yourself already or are you not at that point yet where you have come to that realization? Well, I'm at a point where I'm trying to uh, utilize the experience, the experience that I have there working with the land and with family um, and trying to connect with it, you know, um, and trying to just make the best of the situation mm -hmm. that I'm in. And I'm, I, I do take a lot from it. I know that in the end, like, it's not going to uh, produce the, the, you know, the effect that I want to have on the world, but, uh, but I'm trying to find a way now to make it like a stepping stone or something, you know, um, in my growth. Mm, I understand. I understand that. I guess what I'm trying to show you is, you know, you're coming up to it's time for you to branch off. It's time for you to flap those wings. You've done a lot for your family and it, you've been invaluable in helping them, but you cannot keep living your life for them. You must also live your life for you. So there has to come a point where you have to look at what's going on and say, I have helped, I've done uh, as much as I can for now, now it's time for me. It's a very, very difficult concept because you're such a giving person. I mean, you know, Florence Nightingale has nothing on you. <laughs> um, but you have to see that within yourself. Sometimes people need to be let go of for a while. And I don't mean ignore them. I mean, it's time for them to do this without you. It's very difficult because you know it's going to be harder for them. But at the same time, as a family, they also, there's part of them that wants to see you soar, that wants to see you excel. And even though what yeah. you're doing for them is great and, you know, they, they can never be a, a, a grateful enough to what you have done, it is time. Um, if okay. you find yourself incapable of doing that just yet, then every day that you wake up, you think about, it's time for me to, okay? Try and yeah. see beyond what's, what's in front of you right now. What you've done is great. You have learned a lot. You will take some of this knowledge with you, definitely, as you move forward. But enough is enough, you know. I want you to think, you would think you're being selfish. And in a sense, you are. But if, you're, if you don't take these steps for yourself, you're not honoring the way they brought you up, you know. Yeah. Um, and and they will cope. They will cope. You know, I I know it's hard to think that they will, I know they will. but but they will. <laughs> yeah. You know, and almost think of it like this: if you simplify it down, you're now comfortable in what you're doing with them. You're helping them, yes, but it's it's now at a point where embarking on something new is, has become a little bit scary because you've been out of that for a little while and you don't yeah, want... Yeah, that is true. And I do have uh, some pretty, you know, I, I do have some opportunities or creative things I'm kicking around with a friend of mine that, um, mm -hmm. that hopefully will go somewhere and I think that 
I need to put my time and focus into that as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Is it you have like two to three ideas that you're thinking of embarking with you with your friend? Um, yeah, I mean, I have a ton of ideas, but uh, yeah, there's a few main ones. Yeah, that uh, that I could do with him, um, and I think uh, we we were we've been we've created things together in the past, mm -hmm. um, music and art and things and. It's all done really well, and uh, I'm excited to. It's been years since we've done anything together, and now that he's kind of on the same page with me, um, I think we can really do something neat. Mm -hmm. When you say creative, um, is it drawing and music, or making um, something? Well, then it, that may be part of it. I think he's got, um, he's a writer and he's, uh, got, um, this podcast thing in the works and he's going to give me a little segment time to do, to do some, um, just talk about the things that I talk about, I guess. And I was going to find interesting ways to deliver it through different characters and voices, uh, to help deliver truth and, things like that and just kind of see where that, that goes. That was, I think, the main thing that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. But there's also music and <clears throat> songs. Um, All right. One, one of the things that I guess I'm, I'm pushing you towards is, um, yes, the project's going on. I like it. There's creativity. Um, but I also want you to consider something that pays. Uh, yeah. Not, yeah. not just... You know, I in the work in twelve months' time, I might see something out of this. I mean, in some ways, when you get to this point in your life, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to consider not just getting the message out there and you know healing the earth and helping everyone. You also have to think about the practical side of things like eating, housing, um, gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, let, yeah. Let me put it in a different way for you. What about you consider something like this? While you're embarking on this uh, new project with a friend, which I think can work, but it will take time to really take off for you, why don't you consider doing things like songwriting for others? Yeah. I want you to think about this. You have messages that you want to say. You may not necessarily know all the music you want to put to it. Oh, can you just hold on and we'll come back after this ad? It sure will. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone, to Adventures into Reality with myself, Kathy Ma, and the amazing Andrew Bartzis. And remember, everyone, you can get a private session with Andrew and myself by contacting Tanakh at Tanakh at GalacticHistorian.com. That's T-E-N-O-C-H at GalacticHistorian.com. And we'll be able to get to the bottom of your issues and help you see a better way ahead. And for those of you who don't know, Andrew is offering a free video series called Living the Mystical Life Daily. He shows you some tools and gives you knowledge about how to have mystical experiences in your everyday life. So sign up for free at andrewbartzis.com. Just put your name and email when you get to the page and you'll receive the first video right away. Again, just get it at andrewbartzis.com and enter your name and email to receive the Living the Mystical Life Daily series. And if you'd like to learn more about me, please check out my website, which is kathyspearlsofwisdom.com. And that's Kathy with a K. Danny, are you still there? I'm still here. 
Excellent. So we were talking about things that you could do in the interim before your projects with your friend take great fruit. Um, one of the things that I was talking about was the possibility of you doing some songwriting for others. Now, the, the reason I say yeah. this is because I look at your energy and you have lots of words, 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 words. And the way you put them together yeah. is very poetic and beautiful, meaningful. I mean, touch my soul, make me shiver, you know. And your sense of rhythm is great. So even if you weren't sure what kind of song it was going to go into, the words themselves are very powerful. So I'd like you to consider that uh, as something that you can do because you can do this in your spare time. You can, you know, anytime you want um, in the car. Well, maybe not if you're driving, but <laughs> you know, while you're traveling. <laughs> yeah. But you just need to do that. Get some songs down and then market them to people because that is something that you can put in your pocket and it can fuel you to do other things and it will finance you to do take a more backseat in um, moving forward and starting your projects with your friend and not worrying about the financial side of it. Okay. Is this something okay. that you've done yeah. before or only just maybe have a whisper um, of a thought? I mean, I've, I've been a musician for a long time. I've played in lots of bands and with varying degrees of success. And, um, so, yeah, I'm familiar with songwriting mm, and uh, mm. things like that. Uh, marketing myself, but... It's, it's, I'm sorry. This went on hold for a second. We'll have to go back to you're familiar with songwriting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yes, I'm familiar with that. I... I I, I'm capable of finding my way around and figuring out how to do that. Okay, good, good. Your only proactive thing you really have to do is just market the songs to people. But always remember, your words are haunting. They touch people's soul. Even if you don't feel it, other people will feel it. And that is extremely powerful. I love it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I got a question for you. Why did you leave the job working with autistic children? Um, there was a lot of, I mean, I, I loved it. Um, but there's a lot of emotional attachment that, that comes with that job. And uh, I wasn't always able to not take it home. Um, it weighed on me a lot. And, uh, and you, personal things, too. Were you educated to do that? Um, no, no. Uh, I mean, I was in college for psychology at the time, but uh, the way line therapists work is is like on-the-job training, basically. You have a senior therapist who writes the different programs, and you're the one who executes them with the child. Uh -huh. And you found yourself stuck in between the business of the job that you had to do and the emotions of having to be a healer and there was a lot of disjointing there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't uh I never really looked at it as being a healer um until you just mentioned that, but you were. Yeah. You just were doing it in a format that that, that doesn't apply to your current state. So this is where I want to introduce in uh to you that you are a healer. And music and all that stuff that you've done for recreation and for money and all that other stuff, still the foundation of you is being a healer. Whether it's doing it for someone else or a song, it's still a healer. 
Okay. That's so, really great to hear. It's something that I've been wanting to do. Okay. And what would you do as a healer? How, how have you ever dreamed about it before? Have you ever seen um, yourself as I a mean, healer? What would it look like? Uh, I, I don't know. My hands, I guess. I, I don't know. It's something like daydreams, not so much dreaming dreams that I can remember, but um, I get I get like intense sensations in my hands, like uh, like they are tingling, vibrating, electrified, or something a lot. Uh, but I don't I don't exactly know what it means, or I don't know. You know, in all the studying that you've done, you know that the mystical is out there, right? Oh, yeah. Why haven't you gone out and taken any of those classes? I know we've talked about it on this show many, many times. What what yeah. stopped you? What has stopped you? Uh, financial means mostly. I mean, I have looked in, into things, uh, shamanism <clears throat> workshops and things like that have called to me, but I, I just did not have the funds at, the, at that time uh, to do that. Okay. I want you to put on your list of things to do to go and find a healing modality that you can go and learn, even if it's just a weekend class. Okay. And put that on your list of something to accomplish before the end of this year. I will do that. I mean, I, I, got, I have books on Reiki that I just got. Um, I don't know if that's a good place to start. I know that you started with that. Yep, I started with or, Reiki. Reiki is one of those things that it, it's very special to start with. It, it gives you all, all the basics, and you can do a lot of other things with it also. It works very well with other modalities also. So taking the class is more important than reading the book. The book is there to inspire okay. you. So when you go back to to learn more so that when you're actually doing a treatment, all of the knowledge is in your knowingness factor and not having to be searched for, okay, I have to put my hand here, what do I do next? If you innately know in your knowingness, you are in the flow. And that is what all healers yeah. or facilitators want present, is their ability to call upon their knowledge, wisdom, insight, intuition, in a divine expression of sharing love that is a facilitation for healing. Yeah. Okay, I understand. Just as a musician, um, I, I feel I understand what you're saying there. You know, you could do the same thing with music. Love songs have been doing that since the dawn of time. <laughs> yeah. Okay? But you could also look at what you've studied and understand that music can convey perspective, knowledge, and history. And you might want to challenge yeah. yourself to write some songs that address our false history. That's exactly what I've been kind of working on lately. So what would one of them be like? What would a, a, a song about false history, what would, what would be the main theme of it? Um, I don't know on the spot. I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, false, I guess it, uh, everything that we think we know is a lot. Okay. Everything that is we're that told. Is that the chorus? It could be. Okay. If that's the chorus, that's the foundation of what all the prose is going to work around, which is you proving that everything we know is a lie. Yeah. Okay. That all truths 
are subjective to the perspective of the person who has belief behind them. Yeah, belief, power of belief systems. Okay. And those behind, are to control it. Behind belief is the, the scientific expression of placebo. We create and manifest in our own reality. Yeah, I've been really, um, <clears throat> really, I don't know, uh, thinking about the placebo effect and what that truly means. Yeah. You know, like, Maybe you want to title your first album Placebo Effect if it's not already taken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is true and what is false. And there it's a matter of discovering the most potent quotes and nuggets that you've researched and integrate them into the spoken word, the song, the chorus, or something else. It doesn't have to have the limitations of a band. Okay? Yeah. It may come in the form of spoken word or poetry or some other expression. Yeah, I, I like to draw too and comics would I, I always thought that like uh you know words with a visual you know illustration next to it is powerful as well there you go you could do a, some kind of you know graphic novel the awakening yeah, Glo yeah. global infrastructure of <laughs> distraction keeping us all asleep <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah a layman's view on, or a, a dummy's view on awakening. <laughs> and give them, and give them all the, the pictorial stuff that first graders are supposed to know. I, I thought about doing children's books as well uh, for a long time, actually. Well, you need to reconsider all that. When you start... Yeah, I do. When you start realizing that the time on the farm is done and that your time is now, and only you can empower it, then the money is going to flow for you. As I said before, there's a golden brick roadway there for you, but it's going to require you to take the first steps and to feel the gold on your feet, quite literally. Yeah. You are going to be, have to be the one that has to manifest enough personal gumption to get out of the scenario that you're in with the greatest of intentions, so that those greatest of intentions roll over to deep inspiration, and that deep inspiration becomes manifest with that creative concept you came into being with, so that you can have something that shows you the invaluable nature of cre creativity, that they cannot value your works, and when one connects to the deepest parts of their interconnected creativity, they make masterful works that affect thousands or millions of people that listen to them or read them or see them as art. Yep. Okay, I feel you. Alrighty, brother. We're gonna move on to the next caller. You are you are you definitely got a, a big road ahead of you. Thank you're you so much, Andrew. Every morning you wake you up, care. tell yourself you're a healer. I will. I will do that every day from now on. Good, right. good. Thank you so Daddy much. Daddy is number one. Think of yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> you are number one. Yes. <laughs> okay. I can do that. Take it easy. You know, Kathy, Thank we get you. those special callers again and again and again. I know. I know. We're lucky like that. <laughs> so we're going to move on to our next caller. Our next caller is Andre. Is this the Andre from Australia? It is, mate. How you doing? Andre, how are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, mate. Thanks for letting me through and 
finding you again and um, the two of you holding on for over six months now. I mean, how have you guys been going with your show? Um, it's been uh, nine months now, actually. Nine months, yeah. Yeah, going on ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. It's We've been given birth already. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, a new um, show. <laughs> you guys are anchoring it, you know, like yeah. to do it week in, week out, you know. I know there's been a lot going on, so um, I'm grateful for that because yeah, the volume out there of info and stuff is pretty phenomenal and um, I've still got a lot of shows to go through. So I, I'm I'm grateful for that, guys. And, and that's the challenge of a two-hour format. You know, we're asking people now to listen to 16 hours of material a month. And for some people, you know, that cuts into their family time. It cuts into whatever, and they, they, they chew away at it at their own at their own pace. You know, when when Kathy and I decided that we wanted to do a show, we know we were going to be doing eight hours a month, and then you know, nine months later, we gave birth to another one, which is another eight hours a month. But it has also expanded um, our our own audience, the way we do presentations, because the other show is allowing us to take what we've distilled from all these reading shows and give it all as raw advice, raw tools, raw tips, raw techniques. Yeah, yeah. Like um, for me personally, I, I was in that place where that last color was. I felt it. And um, a big thing for me was actually accepting and owning my power. And um, like, say, you, you guys are sort of there to offer the information, but See, we've individually got to take the steps because when we do, we get the, the benefit from it. So, um, That's right, even if it's a baby step. Yeah, yeah, you get it because you can look back in hindsight and um, realize what you did and then you build on that. So, um, well, that's, that's living and being multidimensional. When we allow our living life to have multidimensional concepts, an innate part of it, we we manifest specialty skills. You know, you've had your specialty skills, you know, throughout your lifetime with music and DJing and, and a lot of the other stuff we've talked about. But yeah. innately there's even more into you that you know you haven't even uncovered yet. Mm. Mm. Well that's partly why I'm here, I guess, mate. So yeah. um, you're, you're like before. I think I've turned over every rock and I'm not finding any more rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what 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 has it that that has brought yourself to a, a halt of turning over the rocks that you've all turned over? Was it a repetition of concept or was it a I'm tired of doing the same thing? What was the emotional thing that slowed down the journey? I I'm I tend to be really thorough and I exhaust like topics thoroughly. Mm-hmm. So um you know, when you go down a path, you sort of don't feel like you're getting anywhere. So it's it's the the sort of assessing where you are to reassess a different pathway. Mm-hmm. And, so when you um, go back so, and do you go back and do your assessment, you realize you're you're one part you're treading water, another part you're taking baby steps, and these other parts aren't really moving at all. Yeah, or maybe I've just gone too fast and missed stuff as well, you know. So, that, too. Um, that too. Yeah, yeah, it just depends on the moment and stuff. But I like to sort of, um, like one thing that's really pushed me forward is actually making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And a mistake is like, say society sees a mistake as a mistake, but for me it's just more data. So it's like, and and from a perception point of view, 
point of view when you're dealing with this reality. It's like if you make a mistake, it's like, nah, you've you you just got a potential that you haven't realized. So sometimes making mistakes in this reality is just revealing a potential that you didn't realize you had. So um, or it's a potentialized potential you realized you had, but you never actualized it. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. where a lot of people in the awakening community are stuck at is that actual actualization. There are a set of choices that are subtly within our field that determine if we are going to trust ourselves enough to use the power of our own belief to empower a process to be followed through and done with the moments of hindsight that show us our moments of growth from all the different choice points it took us to get to where we were to make something actualized in our environment. Yeah, yeah. A big one for me was self-worth as well. I mean, um, Self-worth, self-doubt, all of those things are meant to do what? Keep you giving away power. Yeah, yeah. On a a subtle level that's, like, I I sort of see us, we're all born into this reality and we're playing passengers. And um, those sort of things are fabrics of the reality and you've you've got to go through things to maybe um, short-circuit them and, and trigger the change and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So have you been able to do any personal ceremonies for yourself? Um, Just you, no one else. Yeah, yeah. I did one um, May 21st. Is that a good one? You're, I mean, you know, you're across me pretty well, but I did yeah. one, yeah. the full moon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you should consider doing it every full moon. Thank okay. you. Or start paying attention to the space weather and look for specific times where you know there are going to be solar flares. Yeah, I, I, um, I feel them and stuff. So, um, I mean, I had a question. I've got a lot of questions and stuff. I know we've got a bit of time. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead with your questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing I was going to actually ask you is, um, you know, there's a six weeks or two months out to your conference. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people around the world that are probably going to be listening to this that are probably are going or they're not aware they're going and stuff. Do you have any advice for those people to, say, prepare themselves physically now so when they get there, they'll be ready to go? If you're going to make the journey, it's already complete. Yeah, I know that. If you believe you need to do anything else to make the journey complete, then there's an issue of self-doubt. And so for all those people that want to go to the event, every effort has been made for for, for people to go. It was a matter of can you manifest in your own reality the spirit power it takes to create a journey that is going to be a culmination in a learning event. Is my seminar any different than anyone else's seminar? Any more more powerful or less powerful? Even if it was a Christian seminar? Mm. Yeah. The answer is, it's in your, each person's individual belief. Those that are meant to be for this first event in three years will be there. But it's still the journey there. And a lot of people are afraid of the journey because it means they will have to go out of their static reality and into a dynamic reality where they may not have programs or energy concepts that are ready 
to deal with that form of change. All right, Andre, hold on. We'll come back after the after the music. All right. And welcome back, everyone. We are continuing our conversation with Andre. Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Is it clear yep. now? Yep, yep, yep. That was me being being dumb before. I was rubbing my, rubbing my beard as I was talking <laughs> to you, covering up my mic. <laughs> you cracked me up. <laughs> I was in an intellectual moment. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been in a like a my inner child moment for the, like the last few weeks. So um. Yeah, I've been messing around a bit. So, so you, you were talking about, about coming to the event and what people can do. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, on a, on a more individuated level, if somebody believes they haven't done something to earn something, you got to go back to that self-worth process. Are you worthy enough to go to the event without having have done that stuff? Or is there something you're subtly holding over your own self in judgment about? A lot of people that are waiting to the end are, are just wait to the end. It's an impulse buy. Okay? That's the global world of distraction. That's just how that infrastructure works. If we judge ourselves that we're worthy for something five months ahead of time, what are we telling ourselves? That we're worthy? Exactly. Five months ahead of time as opposed to one month ahead of time. I'm worthy. <laughs> I'm going. Is one more powerful than the other? Mm. The answer is no. Each is a moment in which we made a set of choices that we gave value to what the event brings in potential to us, where we gave value to our own individuated journey and that though our journey may need some tweaks and little bits in here and there as changes, that doesn't make our journey less valuable to not go. So much of the reasons for people coming to the event are going to be self-worth. And then there'll be those others who have that, that dagging question they want answered. Or the ones that we hear all the time that say, I dream, I've had a dream with you, Andrew. How many callers have you heard that with, Kathy? Oh, a lot. A uh, lot. Need count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That many. So those are other things that are triggers for people to come to anybody else's event. You know, people dream about other people other than me. You know, all the, the presenters out there are, are on stage, the, the physical stage and the dream world stage, whether they know it or not. You know, you oftentimes hear me talking about being in a stadium of people with other people in the center of the stadium talking to tens of thousands of people simultaneously, teaching, talking, and yet individually tutoring every single person simultaneously. And then there are times that I meet a group of people in a, in a, in a dream place. So just the other day, I was um, catching up on an old video game I used to play called StarCraft. And it was one of the original games that you can play on local area networks. It was the original networking game. And it turns out 20 years later, there's a professional league for this. And I happened to watch a couple videos where they had a professional announcer in the whole nine yards. And later that night, I met the guy in a dream world. <laughs> oh, that's really, really... Synchronicity. <laughs> Synchronicities. Okay. Synchronicities are the other things that drive people. Are they going to come to an event? Is there a group of synchronicities that are 
right in front of you that says you have to pull out the card and book the tickets and do this right now, or are we just not seeing them around us? The room could hold 700 people. (laughs) 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 We scaled it for that. My my feeling, mate, was it's reunion time. So, um, yeah, like, uh, I as soon as you mentioned that, I was actually setting up for a mission, like, and the mission wasn't really fitting, but I was prepared physically for it. It took me a year to sort of get my body right and stuff. And um, it was just like, I was in a bit of a mess. I was like, man, it's just not happening. It's not happening, right? I'll just allow it and stuff. And then all of a sudden you, you mentioned conference and I was like, bingo. And I was preparing for this, like, um, um, like deadline that I wasn't going to conform to. And then all of a sudden I had extra months and it was like, cool, I can, I can sort of fit it in now. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, but, the um, challenge of planning an event with a no time person is choosing a date and time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think you've got a perfect. I think you've got a perfect, it just feels excellent, mate. Like, yeah. you're even going to another level and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. Well, there, there's a, there's an evolution, you know. For those that have been around since the beginning, you know, you've heard the, the varieties of evolution or when I was bored of talking about one subject or another. Mm. You know, I got to tell you something. I, I, I could really care less about reporting on the pop, the political news, the conspiracy news right now because – I'm now labeling it all as part of that global infrastructure of distraction. Mm. We have come to point, the point where we can no longer play the game the way the system wants to play the game. We must create our own rules, eliminate ourselves from the exchanging of energy, find that mystical within us, and yet still live within the system that's going to continue to try to engage us in the infrastructure of distraction that it has, whether it's Amazon or this, or whatever whatever it is that's going to distract you from giving yourself self-valued and self-worthy times of earning your self-trust through healing yourself, seeking out others to heal yourself, or teachers that can give you wisdom so that you can pass it on to your own environment. I became innately aware of this when I was nine at a baseball game that inevitably I would be presenting at a higher level And I was the one that had to learn how to do it. Just because you're shown the future doesn't mean you're going to follow through with it. Yeah, the whole potential thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been feeling that out. Yeah. Yeah. We actualize our potentials. So the the whole expression of a no-time person giving a date and time, I actualized a date. That's all that I did. In which everything that's dreaming with me must take as a solid point in reality. What is a solid point in reality? It's that floating zero point frequency of all energy. In the artificial intelligence revocation, it is making a place of all space time codes. It's like having the first spiritual telephone book. Think of how our world changed when telephones came on, came around. They had to create books for them. You had to get numbers for them. You had to teach people how to use it. That's what we're coming to now. A whole new phone book. 
it's exciting. If you could call call upon a a oracle from another world, if you had a one nine hundred, you know, your Pleiadian oracle phone number, would you call it? If yeah. it was available, <laughs> yeah, yeah. dialing now. <laughs> okay. If you had those numbers available, an infinite amount of numbers of people in an infinite perspective, would you make 10 calls a day? Knowing that that person's not going to diss you and not take your phone call. Because we're multidimensional beings. There's always a part to receive us. As long as we don't come in polarity. With charge. With intention behind us to limit expression. People are coming together into an event that's going to take the limits off of expression, take the limits off of even our language. I'm going to challenge the race amnesia at the highest levels. And for all those that are going to be there live for it, you're going to get to feel it. And for those that will be watching it in video afterwards, you'll feel it too, but you won't have that live experience. The whole point of doing a live event manifested in time was to make it a ritual ceremony of expression of creativity, bringing all the other people that have been connected to the expressive creativity of the last many years that have wanted to come and be a part of it. I've only done a handful of events, and I, I turn events down left and right. And it's not because I don't believe in the individual people that are running events. It's just not my time then. There were a variety of people that needed their time to say their point of view. And you could even go to the original galactic history. In some areas, it was so complex, but simple. And there's still people today coming to it and calling it the seminal work of the next level. There's no one else out doing what I do. There's no one else doing readings the way that I do. There's no one else doing the volume and size in which I do because the very first thing that I put out was to a challenge of all presenters that the race amnesia has a line at 2,600 years. Anything that you think happened beyond 2,600 years is a complete and total fallacy. You will have in your knowingness more ability to know truth than what has been presented in our history books that have only been written by the conquerors and reinterpreted each generation by its fanatics. That's the harshness of our world. And we can take that harshness away by giving ourselves the time to meditate, to observe our DNA helix inside our heart space and know that's what created us. That's the spiritual technology of incarnation, of birth, of life itself. Consciousness began as a stream of light that entered a, a spark of an egg and a sperm that came together. And in that unique, infinite moment of a spark, consciousness became a localized event instead of a non-localized, etherical, everywhere, infinite source. And this event is giving birth to a new form of creation, a new form of connectivity, so that everyone can take that home in their own lesson and spread it to the rest of the world. 
I haven't had one of those eerie silences in a while. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna butt in and say, "Hey, mate, speaking of race amnesia, do you want to go galactic on me now?" Sure, I'll go galactic <laughs> on you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll just prefer like preface this as saying like I've actually known Andrew for a long time and I've actually avoided this, but um last November and and I mentioned that year of prep I, I did a enormous amount of healing the revocations and all sorts of stuff and colonics and that and it sort of prepped me for around November where I did a healing with my shaman and um first of all I had I went with an intent to call back my soul shards and um he actually used uh, he uses sacred living uh, young living oils and he actually used gathering in that healing and I had a like a Chinese martial artist like past life bleed through that came back and I, I picked up the um, the injury from that that death but then the next healing later on he actually pressed me in my gut and um, he told me to smile at myself and I saw my soul and that that was an enormous thing for me because it felt like a completion of calling back on my shards mm-hmm. and I saw myself on the soul level. And, um, yeah, then it was like the avoidance with not seeking this out from you, Andrew, was like there was purpose because I had to do it myself. Like, um, Correct. Yeah. You're, you're right. There was an attitude and an, an, an affinity for wanting to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, develop so, those muscles, you yeah, know what so, I mean. I'm going to going to start with some of your galactic history because your theme you've got two themes the 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 you get to the to the apex of your creation and somebody steals it from you or kills you mm. and then you get to the apex of your creation and you defeat those that are trying to kill you but the message is unheard because there isn't an infrastructure to spread it yeah okay that's that's the two themes your soul's going back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth with. So I think one of the more important lifetimes for you to actually truly pay attention to is when you lived on the Pleiadian homeworld of Alcyon, where you were in, a, in a, an expression. You ever heard of the three tenors? Yeah, yeah. So the three, the three male Pavarotti singers, et cetera, et cetera. You were an equivalent of that on their world but not in entertainment form. You were able to sing as, as the tenor in a voice harmony with the actual conscious mind of the planet. So you could be chorus to the planet or lead singer to the planet. And there were groups of three to 25 that would come together in star patterns on various specialty energy points around the planet and they would begin to sing well then the planet would then share your song with all other high frequency beings who are looking to share in a ritual of global chorus a way of to excite global dream time to bring all species on the surface of the world in a higher form of awareness no matter what they're doing as they're filling out their daily job to bring the highness of multi-dimensional awareness through the power of song, psychic song, telepathic song. You gained in such notoriety and specialty for what you did until you began singing with not one planet, 
but several dozen planets at a time. To them, you were the greatest superstar of a, of a baritone that was out there. To the highest regards, were there even monuments on the world to you that created an entire infrastructure for spiritual people to let go of their physical worlds and take the journey on the celestial song path. How's that resonate? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm feeling it through my body, but it makes sense in this life because um, a lot of people, they hear my voice. They don't know what it is and they get triggered by it. So um, right. whether, it's just, whether it's just in the recording and stuff like that, so I've had a chat with you and stuff. It's because so, um, they've heard your voice in other soul life level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, some I of get them that. weren't. They weren't Pleiadians. You know, your music was traded amongst worlds. Mm. So that's why I'm into DJing as well. Well, for the music that's the, the that's, that's the scale. I mean, you're not working with celestial minds and billions of beings simultaneously. You're just working with one dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, uh, the interest in music, you know, and what it does. The interest to in music yeah. is it, yeah. it because it's the exchange of energy. Yeah, yeah. Okay? It's a fundamental exchange of energy that you know within your own chords, you can create all of the rules that can prevent energy thievery around your songs. Mm. That you can create it, a, make it a consciousness a collective consciousness creation as well as a, as well as a consciousness creation that can stand the legacy of time that's why you chose music as the fetus because you knew you could create the legacy and you came in this lifetime to create a legacy that would be valued that would be seen and not be stolen yeah So there are other things in your galactic history very similar to this, this you know, galactic baritone or a Pleiadian baritone, except you're not a physical being. You're much older. You're, you're even before the expression of when the Pleiadians and Arcturians, so you would have been around 158 million years ago. So really stretch your mind to go that far back into your history and realize that you lived as a being of energy who would go between nebula to nebula to nebula. And each nebula has its own background chorus and music of the sentient being that holds space in the nebula to make the form of the nebula, and then all the things that live inside it. And some of these beings are energy, and other of them are like giant space whales that are physical form that may be made of out of a variety of materials, but there are still a biological skin suit in space. And this is some of your centricity of originally coming to being was functioning in the vast nebulas that were creating the most primal forms of life in the most intricate forms of skin suits that could travel galaxies or universes. There were certain types of nebulas that were nursing areas for special skin suits similar to like a shark or a whale that could go through space, but they could travel in between universes. And you were a, a nurturer of those skin suits and would often encourage 
physical beings who were traveling in light ships inside your nebula to make companionship with these inter-universal beings in the nebula, facilitating a communication so micro-beings can be trans transported via this process from one universe to another, one galaxy to another, at whatever scale that was needed to be done. Fascinating. So the whole, like, tuning into Earth thing, when did that all start? You're too old to not realize you were part of the creating of it. Mm. I, I have been told that. Okay. Yeah. So when did you first say, I'm going to put my name on this approval of the plan? Because <laughs> you were part of the creating of the plan too. Yeah. You, you've mentioned created beings recently in some shows. So, um, so not, not found beings. Not, not, no, no, no. Um, I'm talking like the actual creation of the galactic ascension machine, the creation of the original creation of Earth before the galactic ascension machine was created, when Earth mm -hmm. was just a planet out there compared to a bunch of other planets that was in non-free-willed universe. Before yeah. our universe became free-willed, you were already here fully established and a part of the paradigm that was going to create a seventh density galactic seed planet because you knew full well that there was a massive immigration of people that were going to come to this universe after it became free-willed and you wanted to create a inter-universal infrastructure of, of how to get life to this new, new places. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, I felt that and that's why I'm here in this life aware all the stuff I'm like I'm in the game, so to speak. You You're know? here because Earth becomes the focus point for that original dream to actually come to fruition. Mm. Earth can create two hundred womb chakras. It can create its own portals and gateways greater than a thousand suns combined. Most suns can only connect to a, a few thousand different different places. One portal on Earth can connect to every place in the universe, even the places not connected, not created yet. Mm. That's the uniqueness of Earth. Every individual being can't have an infinite space living on this world. Imagine seven billion, three hundred million human beings, each with their own infinite space. A lot of potential. A lot yeah. of potential. And when everything has its own infinite space, the levels of creation that we are challenged with is why you came here to Earth why you're still here. You got soul shards all spread throughout the universe, as do, as do many others, but it is this Andre of this lifetime that this I am presence that is going to earn the victory passage feather that says, I survived the galactic ascension machine and I came out the other side at eight color experiencing being. No other version of Andre is going to have that badge of honor. Yeah. That's and why you, you're you took yeah, you talk about the eighth color and um, the soul thing that I mentioned that I saw. I saw myself as a golden child. Mm -hmm. Is that a, an expression of the eighth color relative to me or generally? Or? No, no. That is a previous incarnated version of you who came in as the golden child when we were a sixth color experiencing world where the seventh color was stolen from us. And there was a large variety of external beings who forced their way inside here and brought the seventh color back. 
Fascinating. Yeah. I haven't really actually talked about that. <laughs> because Earth started as a seventh density world, and then reduced to six, five, four, three, two, one. We are seven color experiencing beings in a third density world. Are those four colors missing? Or do we actually have to be the ones that manifest our light here for the other four colors to exist? That was one of the fundamental reality programs that they try to change here, was to take the prism out of the third eye so that it couldn't create all seven colors. Thank you, mate. Thank you. All right, everybody.